Welcome to our online Bible study. Over the next 13 weeks, we will be studying the books of Ruth and Esther. These two women summon Christians today to be committed to Jesus Christ and to do His will at any cost. We are going to be starting with the book of Ruth. So, let's open our Bibles to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. This gives us a background of the time setting of the book of Ruth. It starts off in the time of Judges. Now the Judges ruled throughout Israel after Joshua's death up until the coordination of the first king, which was King Saul. So we're looking at around 1375 to 1050. Now let's turn just back one page in our Bibles to the last verse in the book of Judges. Chapter 21, verse 25. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This kind of sums up the whole time period of the judges. This was the worst time in Israel's history. The Israelites did not listen to the judges, and there was no moral leader in Israel Everyone did whatever they seemed right in their own eyes, doing what they wanted to do whenever they wanted. During this period, Israel repeatedly turned from God and worshipped the idols of the heathen nations after them. You can see that and read about that in Judges 2, verses 10 to 19. Now, back in Ruth, the verse goes on to say that there was a famine in the land. But it does not say what caused that famine. In the Old Testament, as we see in Leviticus 26, that a famine was often evidence of God's discipline because his people had sinned against him. So a lot of times you see that this is why. So you can kind of look back at the time period and see all that was happening in this time as to why God would do chastising them. Now the scripture goes on to say, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now we're talking about here, which explains in verse 2, is Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Chilion. Now Moab was about 50 miles east on the other side of the Dead Sea. You remember the Moabites. They were descendants of Lot from the incestuous union with his firstborn daughter, which we see back in Genesis 19. And they were the Jews' enemies because of the way they had treated Israel during their pilgrimage journey from Egypt to Canaan. So, why did Elimelech and Naomi pick Moab we don't know. It is not really stated in scripture. Perhaps they heard that there was no famine there. But as we will see, 
Moab was the worst choice they could have made. Ladies, we can learn a lot just from these two verses in Ruth chapter 1. We have seen how Naomi and Elimelech had to live in a corrupt world, that everyone doing what they wanted to do, just as we see in the world today. They were living in a promised land, and when God allowed a famine to come to Bethlehem, instead of seeking guidance from God and trusting in Him to meet their needs, they ran from their problems in unbelief. Because of the famine, Naomi and her husband forsook the promised land to live in Moab. This was a clear symbol of turning away from God, of turning to the world. This was the first mistake, for it was in Bethlehem that God would have blessed them, not in Moab. When troubles come to our lives, we can do one of three things. We can endure it, escape it, or enlist it. If we only endure our trials, then trials become our master, and we have a tendency to become hard and bitter. If we try to escape our trials, then we will probably miss the purposes God wants to achieve in our lives. But if we learn to enlist our trials, to embrace them, they will become our servants instead of our masters and work for us instead of against us. As we know in Romans, it says that God will work all things together for our good and his glory according to his will. For those who trust him. Now the Apostle Paul is an example who embraced his trials. Let's look at Second Corinthians twelve verses nine through ten. It says For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ladies, we cannot run from our trials. We need to embrace them. We need to claim the promises of God and obey the word of God. In spite of what we see or how we feel or what even may happen to us. We need to fully rely on God in every circumstance of our lives. Elimelech took his wife Naomi and their two sons to escape death. But we see in Ruth chapter 1 verses 3 and 5 that all three men died in Moab. Yes, a father and a husband certainly want to provide for their family and for their wife but he must not do it at the expense of losing the blessing of God doing it against God's will sometimes we want to take the easy way out but the easy way out is not always the right choice we need to make sure that when we 
are going to do something that we have fully asked God and seeked his guidance for what he wants us to do. And we clearly know that God did not want Elimelech and Naomi and the sons to go to Moab. Let's look at David in Psalms 37:25. He said, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. In difficult times, we need to die to self and put God's will first. God will either take us through our trials or he will take us out of that trial. Either way, we are in his hands and he is in control. Okay, let's continue in the book of Ruth. Let's look at verses 6 through 15. Now you'll notice, at this time, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law are mourning the deaths of their husbands. But this was not the only grief these three widows were suffering. Remember now, they lived in a male-dominated society. So how could they earn a living, provide for themselves? Remember, the law of Moses stated in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 through 6, it says, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and some and they have no sons, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go in to her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, but his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So, both of Naomi's sons were deceased, and she was saying she was too old to remarry and have more sons. A deep sense of hopelessness and despair undoubtedly gripped all three widows, but in particular, Naomi. Then Naomi hears a word of hope that the Lord had provided food in the promised land. The famine was over. The problem was that Naomi was so far from a personal relationship with the Lord, as we see in verse 13, that she felt God was chastising her. When she needed to do was repent for her distrust and her unbelief. She needed to ask God for forgiveness and restore her relationship with God. Ladies, it's never too late to ask God for forgiveness. If there is something in your life that you feel God is dealing with you, seek his face. Seek his will in your life. Psalms 17.6 says, I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. I love this verse because of the imagery of Christ bending down to hear you. Ladies, he wants to hear your voice. Well, Naomi resolved 
to return home to the promised land. And in so doing, she believed that she had to leave her daughters-in-law in Moab because she thought that would be best for them. Now notice in verse 8, the word kindly. It says, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The word kindly or kindness is the Hebrew word hesed. It is an important word in the book of Ruth and throughout the Old Testament. It speaks of God's covenant loyalty to his people. It speaks grace in that it is extended even when it was not deserved. The basis of Naomi's blessing was the gracious actions of Ruth and Orpah to their husbands and to Naomi. Both young women were worthy in the eyes of their mother-in-law, so she wanted God to be good to them. Though they were foreigners, they had married Israelite men and thus were under God's covenant. There was three different times that Naomi insisted that Orpah and Ruth return to Moab. The world of unbelievers and false worship. We'll see that in verse 8, verse 11, and verse 12 of chapter 1. She was thinking that they would be better off if they weren't with her. The sad thing is, is that she felt God's chastisement on her life and wasn't close to the Lord, so she didn't think about the opportunities she had before her. The chance she had to bring her Moabite unsaved daughters-in-law to the promised land where they could hear the gospel and be saved. Ruth and Orpah were both on their way to the promised land with Naomi. They were both committed to Naomi that they would have followed her. But with Naomi's persuasion, Orpah returned to her family in Moab. And we don't hear about her again in scripture. It was such a missed opportunity that Naomi had. Ladies, we need to be in our word daily. Seeking a deep personal relationship with God. Constantly in prayer, seeking guidance from the Lord and seeking his will for our lives. We need to be looking for those opportunities to glorify God in every aspect of our lives. Orpah made the decision to go back to her home in Moab. But we will see Ruth's decision in chapter 1 verses 16 to 17. It says, But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death departs you and me. Ruth's statement 
is one of the most magnificent confessions found anywhere in scripture. Ruth demonstrated a deep, undying sense of devotion. She loved Naomi and clung to her as we saw in verse 15. Ruth was totally devoted to Naomi and insisted that she stop urging her to leave. That she would go wherever she went and stay wherever she stayed. Her devotion compelled her to remain by Naomi's side, never leaving her. She made a strong commitment to God and to God's people as we see in verse 16. By this, she was renouncing her Moabite roots, the world of unbelievers and false worshipers. She was determined to become identified with the people of God, the Israelites. And then in verse 17, Ruth declared that her commitment was until death. It was total final and unshakable. Ruth's total commitment is a strong example for us. She was not indecisive or neutral, neither can we be. Our commitment can be no different than hers. Just as she made a total commitment to God and his people, we must be totally, wholeheartedly committed to Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Verses 19 to 22. We'll see in this that the two women made the arduous journey to Bethlehem. You can just feel Naomi's shame as she enters into Bethlehem. The woman called out to her, Is that Naomi? And then we see in verse 20, it says, But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dwelt very bitterly with me. She stated that her name was Naomi, which means sweetness and pleasantness, was improper for her and her condition. She said she should be called Mara because it means bitter. You feel in verse 21 her pain. It goes on to say, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Notice here that her complaint began and ended with the reference to the Almighty, the El Shaddai, the name of the all-powerful God. But in the face of her deep tragedy, God would soon proceed to act in gracious mercy. Naomi had left Bethlehem because of a food famine, but she returned with a famine in her soul. We cannot control the circumstances of life, but we can control how we respond to them. We need to remember that God is in control and that we need to totally submit our lives to Him and live our lives to glorify Him. 
Notice in verse 22, at the end it says, Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. The barley harvest was in the month of Nisan, which is around March or April. It was a time when the community expressed joy and praise to God for his goodness. It was springtime, a time of new life and new beginning. It was so apropos that they would arrive at this time, as they too were experiencing new beginnings. We all have new beginnings in our lives, right? For my husband and I, we are experiencing new beginnings as we seek God's will for our lives after the passing of my husband's parents and my dad, plus our little angel, our cat. Sometimes we feel as if when we moved up here together, it's like this town just swallowed him up. But we know that God is in control. We know that it is within his will that this happened. Yes, we can ask why. Yes, we can get bitter. And yes, we can have times of remorse and times of missing them. But we also have to trust God and know that he sees the big picture and knows what is best for our lives. There is a time and a season for everything. So ladies, we have a choice. Are you trusting God for the new beginnings in your life? It's not too late. God is waiting to bless your life. On the deathbed, John Wesley said, Best of all, God is with us. We need to remember this. One of Naomi's richest resources was her daughter-in-law Ruth. In fact, It is Ruth whom God used and blessed throughout the rest of this book. For Ruth was a woman who trusted God and was totally committed to him. Naomi soon learned that God's hand of blessing was on this young woman and that he would accomplish great things through her obedience. I look forward to studying this book with you as we glean from her example of being committed no matter what the cost. Thank you and God bless and see you next week.